Hello, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Upper Bowl GM podcast. My name is Nick Zararis, and as promised, baseball, baseball, baseball today with my good friend Chris, who's been on the show a number of times. Love anytime I can have one of my friends on to come pick their brain about something they know a lot about. It makes for a really entertaining conversation. Chris and I really peeled it back. We went division by division, all six in Major League Baseball. Talked not as in-depth about every team as we did a couple of weeks ago when we kind of dropped did a drop-down look at every team in the league. This is a little bit more forward-looking predictions, things of that nature. This is the season preview episode. We talked a bit about our expectations for different teams across the league and their in respect to where they're going to finish in their division. We talked a little bit of award stuff. We talked about teams who have some upside, some teams who were in a bad spot that might really not live up to expectations. We talked a bit about the burden of expectations on some of these teams. I mean, him and I have said it a number of times now across a couple of months on his show, on my show. This is the Yankees year. If it doesn't work this year, they got to start thinking about making a move somewhere in that group of guys to get whatever that missing piece seems to be. Baseball season's the best, man. It was an absolutely beautiful day Thursday afternoon when I was outside, went for a run. It it felt like baseball weather, and I am itching to get to opening day next Thursday. I cannot wait. It better not rain and prolong it until Friday. That would be deeply, deeply distressing. I hope everyone enjoyed yesterday's episode. Mallory's a treat and Drive to Survive is awesome. It's just flat awesome. I'm probably going to rewatch it the third season at some point next week during the day while I'm working on other things. Gotta get out a Rangers blog for Friday. I don't know what time it's going to go up on Friday. Depends how early I can finish this podcast. But before I get to the show with Chris, gotta remind everyone to please subscribe if you're on apple podcast if you're on apple podcast please take the 30 seconds to leave a five-star review leave a written comment if you have an extra minute those do mean a lot we're getting there every we're getting reviews that's nice that's a sign people are engaging with the show and that helps i'm gonna do a mailbag episode at some point in the not so distant future to help further that audience podcast host relationship which is so important i need you guys to believe I believe what I'm saying, that I know what I'm talking about. That kind of stuff matters. I, I appreciate it. If you're on Spotify, Google Play, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, any other podcasting platform, hit that little follow button, please. It does mean a lot to a content creator. We're doing numbers. That video I posted on Tuesday got 10,000 views explaining what Corsi was. going to do one that explains how expected goals work. All right. There's your appetizer. I will see you guys on the other side of this drop with Chris. Anderson has struck out once already of the 13 from Jacob DeGrom. His career high is 14. And here's the 3-2 to Anderson. On the outside corner, strike three. Call number 14 for Jacob DeGrom. It ties his career high. And with that, I welcome on one of my best friends, a multiple-time recurring guest. I think he's up to five times on the show now. The host of the Sports Report with Chris Schreitzer, fellow baseball nerd. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. I'm very excited. We got, as time of recording, we're a week away from baseball. Uh, I got I got a fantasy baseball draft tonight. I am kinked up and I'm ready to go. This is such an optimistic time. I, we talked about this two weeks ago when you were on the show. Just 
that pure unbridled optimism of going into the season, even if you've had an injury or two in spring training, like I haven't really thought about the fact the Mets aren't going to have Lugo probably for the first couple of weeks of the season. And I'm not that worried yet. I, there's just so much hope right now. Met fans are dancing in the streets. Like we've already won things just based off the off season we had. It's a very exciting time. Very exciting. Yeah. You know, I was actually, I was thinking, I was like, damn, the Mets have had pretty good injury luck, but, yeah, I forgot Lugo was gonna probably gonna miss some time, and then Carrasco was gonna miss some time too. But I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, the, the Mets are gonna be one of the central points on this show whenever Chris is on, because Chris and I are the same type of person who we're gonna make sure we're home at six fifteen. So like by six thirty when the pregame show starts, that's on in the background. That way I can get that in the back of my brain. I can listen to the talking points the Mets gave S and Y to what I shouldn't be thinking for the game that's about to happen. I'm even with the injuries, having no Syndergaard till summer is stressful. Carrasco's hamstring is stressful. Stroman has looked really good in spring training. I got to say the limited action I've seen him. He's been like the only pitcher that have his starts televised, just the way the starts have fallen on TV. And he's looked really good. He's changed his velocity. He's been using a lot of different location. He does that weird quirk with his delivery where he changes his release point and his leg kick on different pitches to mess with the hitter's timing. I don't want to buy too much into the Marcus Stroman hype, but he's going to be a really important piece if the Mets are going to be a good team this year. Yeah, I like like you said, I don't want to get too excited over spring training results because obviously it's spring training and it means literally nothing. But, you know, he's always been a, a good, not great player. And he, he looks he looks pretty damn good so far, like you said, with with all the, the funky stuff he's doing with his delivery. Um, it seems like he, he's added a couple new pitches, got some more movement on some of those pitches. So I, like, like you said, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much stock in the spring training performance, but he looks, he looks very good. He looks very good so far this spring. Speaking about the Mets, I, I assume you're in the same boat as me when it comes to the Conforto extension. We both assume that Boris is going to have him test free agency, even if he signs back with the Mets. Yeah, I, I'm 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 not too worried about him leaving New York, but I do think there's like no shot he does. Cause even like even Steven Strasburg, he stayed with Washington, but he's a Boris client and he was a free agent. Like he was only a free agent for about a month or two, but he he, you know, he got to free agency. He put a little, you know, he he made Washington sweat it out a little bit and thinking maybe this guy is gonna leave. And so they they ponied up, paid him a, a bunch of money, and that's what he's gonna do with, with Conforto, you know. Conforto's probably not going to get 35 mil a year like Strasburg did, but unless he has a Strasburg like year where he ends up winning, you know, World Series MVP. But you know, other than that, I'm sure he's going to be a free agent. I'm sure by by the time the season's over, the World Series ends, there won't be a Conforto extension in place. But I really, I'm not too worried about him leaving. As as of as as of right now, I'm pretty confident he'll be back in the Mets uniform next year. But he will probably be a free agent at some point. He's had a very meteoric rise where you saw the glimmers. I mean, he came up as a rookie during the World Series year, hit the home runs in the playoffs, looked pretty good. Then they brought in someone who blocked him in the lineup the following season. He didn't get as many as at-bats. The following year, he was the only Met to make the All-Star team in 2017. 2018, he had the hip injury, which was pretty rough, and then he had the wrist. So 2018 was kind of a wash. And then 2019, and then the 60 game season last year you really saw all of his potential flash and I know Keith talks about it a lot on the broadcast when Conforto uses the whole field and doesn't just try and pull the ball he's such a good hitter he makes such strong contact he has good power to all fields he doesn't need to live pulling the ball no yeah he he's a very very professional hitter and that's yeah like, like he's been that way 
ever since he came up. He was he was always a mature hitter. You know, sometimes he does get pull happy, like you said, and he he starts just trying to you know launch bombs in the out of the Coca Cola corner. He does that sometimes, but for the most part, when Conforto's at his best, like you said, he's driving the ball all line the line, gap to gap. You know, doubles all over the place. He he when he's at his best, that's what he does. And, you know, I don't think his best is just a mirage. I think he can do that. It just, you know, guys fall in the slump sometimes. So yeah, he's, he's a very professional hitter though. Not somebody you see all too often of these days. So uh, for all intents and purposes, we're calling this episode, the season preview, we're going to bounce around. We're going to cover a wide range of topics. One of the things we do usually in our group chat of our friends is we make a spreadsheet with our season predictions of who's going to make the playoffs from each division, who's going to win each league, who's going to win the World Series, and then the award. So that's kind of the format we're going to do here. And if any particular player or team jumps up and we kind of go off on a tangent, so be it. So we obviously just did a little bit of a riff there on the Mets for a minute. We talked a little bit about the National League East a couple of episodes ago when you were on in terms of what the additions they had made. I'm still worried about the Braves, obviously. They have such a talented roster up and down. They, they're one to nine. It's not, it's not as well-rounded as the Mets' one to nine is in terms of batting order, but it's just as scary. Uh, I'm Freddie Freeman haunts me. Acuna is amazing. You get to that rotation, assuming um, Mike Soroka is good to go by the first, second week of the season. That rotation is awesome, too. Yeah, that's like for the last, for the last few years when they were still kind of building up to this really good team, the Braves, but they were still winning the division. That was the knock on them is they didn't have a rotation. They had Acuna, they had Albies, they had Freddie Freeman. You know, they had Donaldson a couple of years ago. They had a really good lineup. They just didn't have the starting pitchers. They had like one or two guys, but now they have a legit rotation now. And that's, that's what's scary. And the bullpen isn't too bad either. And I, I, like you said, I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago, this division is, is, the Braves to lose as you know until further notice until somebody actually wins the division besides them it's their division because I think that what they've won it last four or five years now in a row so you know you you can't just go out even though the Mets got a lot of hype we were talking about a little bit before they had a lot of hype post Lindor trade especially on betting sites even even me or even us as big Mets fans we still were like this is the Braves the Braves are a better team as of right now until the Mets prove they they can beat the Braves the Braves are better so that's still the idea I'm going with now and you know if they if they play this season the Mets play well they finally get over that hump are able to beat Atlanta stop shooting themselves in the foot whenever they play them then that's great but until, until I see that I, I gotta see that first before I really buy into the Mets being better than the, than the Braves right now. That was one of the touchstones in the 2015 season was that Sunday night baseball game against the Nationals where they they hit like three home runs in an inning and they finally like, I don't want to say they slayed the dragon because the Nationals weren't as intimidating of a force, but as the Braves are now, but that's the kind of energy you're going to need. You're going to need that touchstone moment of you're going to need a series somewhere in late July, early August as your measuring stick. You have your fully healthy rotation. You're going to get your one, two, and three against the Braves, one, two, and three. And you need to be able to win two of those three games to really say, all right, we can do this. And that's not a knock on the Mets' talent. That's a knock on the Mets being a relatively young team, not having a ton of experience in these big game environments. And that comes with time. We see that a lot in baseball. We see it a lot in hockey where a team has to go through those tough games. Teams don't really win the World Series without having those grueling agonizing postseason losses where they're able to learn and grow from them yeah i mean you could just look at the the royals in 2014 and 15 i mean the royals were one of the best teams of baseball in 2014 they get dominated by an otherworldly performance of madison bumgarner and they come back the next year they know exactly what to expect and they take care of business 
in the 2015 playoffs. And so, you know, you're hoping, we're hoping we see that, see that out of the Mets this year, you know, they haven't had that experience, at least most of the, 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 the group of players they had now really, I mean, what Conforto is probably the only, or Conforto, DeGrom, and Syndergaard are probably, I think Familia. they're probably the only holdovers. Familia, yeah, because he <laughs> left and came back. But yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of a lot of holdovers from that 2015 team. So, you know, a lot, you know, some of these guys do have experience though. Lindor obviously made it to a World Series with with Cleveland. It was in the playoffs every year with them. Same with Carrasco. Um, but a lot of these young guys, you know, McNeil, Alonzo, Dom Smith, you know, even James McKenna, these guys haven't had a lot of, you know, high end playoff experience in in the major league so you hope when you get to that point when like you said in late august you know or, or late july early august when they have these tough games at tough series against atlanta they're they're up for it because atlanta is going to be up for it that yeah. team that is a good team they were a game away from the world series last year that's a good team so you know the mets the mets gotta be they gotta be able to to to, to learn quickly i think Shout out to Dom Smith getting in the MLB The Show trailer. That made me very happy they threw Dom Smith in the trailer. So other than the Braves and the Mets, the Nationals and Phillies are both here. Neither of them are as talented as the Mets or Braves, but they have enough high-end players where they're not going to be pushovers. They're going to be able to take two or three from you with some consistency. Their rotation isn't amazing. Their lineup is pretty good. You don't know what Bryce Harper is going to show up this year. Is it a Bryce Harper year? Is it an off year? He kind of goes every other year where he pops. We'll see. Anything you want to get in on those two before we switch gears? Uh, not really. I mean, you pretty much covered it. They're 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 they have decent rosters, but they have holes. If things break right for those teams, they can make it very competitive, and they'll be they'll be breathing down Atlanta and New York's next the whole season. But if a couple of things go wrong, you know, you could see them kind of kind of spiral a little bit. So. They're, they're two good teams, though. They have, they have good managers. Joe Girardi's a fantastic manager So yeah. over over in Philly. They do a good job. They win baseball games, but, you know, they got to not shoot themselves in the foot. So if things break right for those teams, it could be very competitive. And even even Miami, honestly. Yeah. Like, Miami's roster isn't that bad. Like, I, I think last year was obviously a mirage. They're not going to – I don't think they're going to make playoffs again this year, but they're they're also not pushovers. Like, they'll, they'll make it tough for whoever they're playing this year. So it's a very, very tough division. Yeah, there there aren't even easy games in that division the last few years when the the Marlins were the worst team in baseball. Somehow they always end up stealing two out of three from the Mets or the Braves just because baseball is weird like that. So in terms of what I looked at for projecting the outline, according to the two gambling sites I looked at, the closest division in baseball is the NL Central. Four of the five teams are all within five games of each other in terms of their win totals. They have the Cardinals at 86 wins, the Brewers at 84 wins, the Reds at 82 wins, and then the Cubs at 80 wins. I think that division isn't going to be good, but I think all of those teams are going to beat up on each other a lot, kind of what we saw last year, because everyone is pretty close to each other in terms of talent. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that division was pretty was pretty bad last year. Chicago actually won it. Yeah, they were thirty four and twenty six, but <laughs> Chicago only won the division because they had otherworldly pitching last year. I mean, Darvish obviously was second in Cy Young, but and Kyle Hendricks was phenomenal. They had they had a lot of good pitching last year, and I don't think I don't think you can expect that again. And yeah, maybe the offense playing be a little bit, but Darvish is obviously gone, and they got Zach Davies, and I like Zach Davies a lot. I think he's really good, but. He's not you, Darvish. They only got worse. St. Louis got better. Milwaukee got better. Cincinnati got a little worse too. But you know, they, it's like you said, they're not going to be good. 
none of these teams really pop out to me as like a real contender, but it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I mean, pretty much everybody, everybody but Pittsburgh is gonna have gonna have a, a decent claim to winning this division. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them, uh, unless Pittsburgh won. Pittsburgh won, I would be, I would be incredibly surprised because they're awful. But every other team is is pretty competitive. Of those teams, I think the Cardinals are def- they're definitely the most talented. They have the most upside. Any lineup where you have Goldschmidt and Arenado is a good lineup. Those two guys are still very good. They brought back old man Yadi Molina for another run. I think they probably have a pretty defined ceiling of a first-round exit because if they run into the Braves or the Dodgers or even the Mets in a first-round series, I would assume yeah. all of those teams would be favorites to win the series. Um, and I want to see the Brewers put it together for a whole season because there are a lot of guys on that team I just enjoy watching. I like Lorenzo Cain. I, I've always liked Yelich. I've liked Yelich since he was on the Marlins. I'd like to see them put it together. They brought in Jackie Bradley Jr., another guy who's pretty entertaining, pretty good, fun to watch, play defense. Travis Shaw, a guy who bounced around. He was with the Red Sox for a while, went there. The Brewers are an interesting team, and I would like to see them put it together. Yeah, I actually I actually really like the Brewers this year. I've, I I think they're going to win the division. Um, I think Yelich, I, they, last year, whereas the Cubs got like otherworldly pitching and that kind of propelled them, they, I mean, the Cubs had no hitting last year, but the, the Brewers, I mean, the Brewers hitting last year was, they just, they couldn't hit the ball at all. They couldn't score runs. They were, they were abysmal. And that's obviously not what the Milwaukee Brewers are normally like, because when you have Christian Yelich in your lineup, he is, he is a damn good baseball player. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back. Um, Cause even if you look at last year, he only had a two five average after hitting 320, 320 plus the last two years in his, in his MVP year. And then his second MVP in 29 or, MVP second MVP votes in 2019 and last year it's 205 that just obviously he's a product of of the short you know 60 game season he just fell through a little slump and that's where but he still had a 356 on base percentage so he's still obviously seeing the ball incredibly well you know um and you know 430 slugging 786 OPS like he still had a pretty decent year considering he hit 205 and over the course of a full year, I'm I know for a fact I would put my life on it that he's not going to hit 205 again. He's probably going to hit at least 280 plus, like he's done every other season of his career. So I think Yelich is going to have a huge bounce back. I think Keston Hero is going to have a big bounce back. They added, like you said, Jackie Bradley. They got Colton Wong, probably the two best defenders available in free agency. So the defense is going to be really good. I really like the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, they do scare me a little bit, but I I think if I had to pick right now, I think they would be my they'd be my division winner. Because I just I don't know I feel like even though St. Louis is the most talented roster in this division I don't I just feel like they're gonna they're gonna let me down a little bit and I really like Milwaukee. It's a really talented team, like you said. They had some really rough luck last year, and that happens. Teams have bad luck, and usually in a baseball season you have time to work your way out of that funk. Obviously, last year, sixty game season, that's a three month season, two and a half month season, not enough time to work out your kinks as a baseball team. I mean, yeah. You think about two years ago, Alonzo's rookie year. He had that three-week stretch in the middle of the summer where he couldn't hit a lick. He was miserable. He kept popping out. He kept swinging at pitches out of the zone. And then he worked himself out of it. These guys take time. Baseball is a rhythmic thing where you take thousands and thousands of swings over the course of the season. It's why pitchers start out so far ahead of the hitters in the, at the beginning of the season where you usually see offenses struggle at the beginning of the year just because they haven't had the repetition against live pitching in a competitive environment since the previous fall. So it usually takes time for guys to work into their groove. 
moving to the National League West, where you have two genuine super teams. I you could I, the Dodgers are a super team. They have something like nine, ten All Stars in their lineup. The Padres they they're going to have probably three or four All Stars depending on how things shake out. I'm just very excited to stay up till one thirty two in the morning every night to watch one of those two teams play baseball. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see because usually, usually when you know after the Mets game is over, you turn on MLB Network and you get the ten o'clock game. Usually, it's always the Dodgers, and it was the Dodgers is a great team, but it was kind of you know kind of tiring watching the same team. So it's going to be fun to watch the the Padres a little more often now too. I'm sure they're going to be they're going to be on TV a lot more and MLB MLB Network a lot more. So it's going to be fun to watch them. They they probably had the best off season of any team. Yeah, um, actually, I don't think you say probably. They definitely had the best off season off season of any team now. It's still might probably not gonna be enough to beat the Dodgers because the Dodgers are so damn good. But I mean, I'm just I'm looking at the Padres depth chart right now, and it's 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 insane how good this roster is. Just top to bottom, every position you have you have, you know, you got a you got a good player there. So they're gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm sure a couple guys are probably gonna take steps down. I don't know if Will Myers is gonna be as good as he was last year. Um, you know, you hope Tommy Pham comes back from from injury and he plays as well as he did a couple years ago. You know, maybe Jake Cronenworth takes takes a step back, but um, Hosmer's probably not going to be as good as he was last year either. But this is still a really, really good team. Even if those guys don't perform, you still have Tatis, who's going to miss some time, but he'll be healthy majority of the year. Machado is still an all-star when he wants to be. You know, the rotation is still incredible. This is this is a really good San Diego Padres team. I cannot wait. I mean, I watched a lot of Padres last year because I – I went for the MLB TV because it was only $50 for the season for the three months. And they're such a fun team. I've always liked Will Myers. I've always respected guys who refuse to use batting gloves in today's day and age. I, I think about how miserable that must be as a professional baseball player, how bad the vibration must be up your hands, trying to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball and you don't hit it. Well, if you just foul off a hundred mile an hour fastball, how much that must hurt. Padres, really fun team. Like we said, the Dodgers, uh, Dodgers are just insane. That's one of the things I forgot to say when you were talking about Conforto earlier. I would be a little worried about him going to free agency, but the teams with money, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Yankees, they all have full outfield. You don't have to worry about a traditional big market team going to steal him. But circling back around, of those two teams, who would surprise you more if they stunk, if they just had a bad season? I, I mean, I, I don't know, because obviously they're they're both incredibly talented, but they both, you know, if 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 either of them, you know, struggled a little bit, it wouldn't be the you know the craziest thing, because obviously with San Diego, they were so they were really good last year, and all they did was get better this off season. But also, you know, you've seen teams before where they add too many pieces and then too many new faces, and it kind of takes time to click. And, you know, it doesn't really work out as well as they thought it was going to in the offseason. I don't I don't necessarily think it's going to happen because they didn't just add guys who were like big names, but not really that good. Their names bigger than their than their performance. These all a lot of these guys are, if anything, the opposite. Um, and then the Dodgers, you know, they won the World Series. We've seen teams before have have a World Series, you know, championship hangover. It happens. It happens all the time. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer, I don't think he's going to be like a huge distraction for that team, but. You know, he's definitely a talking point for a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I think probably the Dodgers would surprise me more if they stunk just because of they, they've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, th- this might be – I'm sure they're, they're going to go they're gonna go all out for it again because they might not be able to keep Corey Seager at the end of the season. If you lose a guy like that, you know, you're, you're 
probably want to try and um I guess get every last bit of baseball you can out of him before he leaves because he's probably going to be a free agent because they're like 40 million over the over the luxury tax yeah signing Bauer so I'm sure when it gets to the, the trade deadline if they have any kind of needs at all they're going to fill that and honestly I don't I don't know where they're going to have any needs because they're they're like two to like two three players deep at every every single position like every position on the field one guy gets hurt you could slide at another guy who's like an all-star pretty much anywhere you any anywhere you can think of you like a Bellinger gets hurt I just move Mookie Betts over to center field and then you know Chris Taylor plays right or you know if if Seager gets hurt you have Chris Taylor at shortstop if if Turner gets Justin Turner gets hurt Edwin Rios slides in at, at third base like they just have so much talent all over the field like I said they're like they're like two three guys deep at every single position so I don't know. I think I'd be more surprised if, if the Dodgers stunk than, than the Padres just because of all of the all of the moves they've made. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've seen that in the past kind of blow up in teams' faces where teams win the offseason, but they don't really win in the regular season. So Shout out to Vince Young. Um, of the Giants or the Diamondbacks, which of those teams do you think has a better chance of actually being in the mix for a wild card? I lean towards San Francisco. I like a number of guys. They actually are going to get Buster Posey this year, which he's not as good as he once was, but he's still a plus player. I've always liked Yastrzemski. It was very funny on Sunday Night Baseball last year when A-Rod called him a bright young star for the Giants going forward when he's 29 or 30 years old. It was very funny. But of those two teams, Eileen Giants, any, anything interest you about either of those teams? I do, I do like the Giants. I was, I was thinking of that before, before, the, you know, before we started talking. Um, I looked at both teams. I liked I – liked, the Giants last. I think the Giants they played pretty well last year. The problem with them is they really didn't do anything this offseason. Mm. And you could say the same with the Diamondbacks. I think the only, the like the biggest move the Diamondbacks made this offseason was bringing in Ashubal Cabrera. So <laughs> we love the ass man, but that's not really you know if you're trying to compete with the Dodgers and the Padres, he's not going to do it for you. He's a decent player, but that's not nearly enough. Um, and same thing, you know, same thing with the the the, the Giants. They really didn't add too much. I think they got some really good performances out of guys last year. Um, who, like Alex Dickerson had a pretty decent season. Um, Ustremski had a phenomenal year last year. Angoria played pretty well. Wilmer, whenever he gets in there against the lefties, he's always crushes it. But I don't know. I, at this point, I'd probably lean Giants. But um, I don't know. It, it's so tough because neither team really did anything this offseason. So it's kind of it's kind of tough to, to pick. But if if I had to choose an answer, it'd probably be the Giants. Okay. I, I definitely see that argument. Um, the Rockies are just a joke. I don't know if you saw yeah, that no. story the other day about how they have people who work like in the front office doing like oh, multiple yeah. jobs <laughs> where like they got people who work in the front office signing shoes in the clubhouse. I, I, I don't know what's going on in Colorado. They might want to sort that out. All right. We're going to swing back around in the American League in the West to I was shocked to see the Astros were had the highest win total on FanDuel and on DraftKings at 87 and a half. Very surprised to see the Astros favored to win that division. Yeah, you know, it, it's they they're going to be interesting cuz they're still dealing with, you know, the whole the whole uh cheating scandal thing. They're still kind of living through that and they they're still going to hear it this year cuz now they kind of got lucky last year, you know, still fresh in a lot of people's minds. You know, the season got pushed back for four months, and then there were no fans in the stands the entire season. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's still going to affect them. Though. I mean, everywhere they go, they're not going to get booed, but certain places they're going to get booed. They're going to have to deal with that. They've had a lot of injuries so far early in this offseason, but, you know, they, they're still a talented roster. They, they lost 
they're not going to have Verlander this year. He's still going to be recovering from Tommy John. They lost um, they lost Fort Whitley, Forrest Whitley as well, and I think they're going to lose Framber Valdez possibly. He might he might be healthy to start the year. He might miss the whole year. They don't know for, yet for sure, but they let down Lance McCullers, who's good. They got Jacob Rizzi, who I think is going to be fantastic. Granke's still really good. They have Jose Okidi, who I, I, I he's a lot upside. They still have a decent team. You know, they still got the core. They got Yuli Gurriel. They got Altuve. They got Bregman. They got Correa. They got they were able to keep Michael Brantley. I really like Kyle Tucker. So, and if Jordan Alvarez can stay healthy, he's he's you know maybe the best DH in baseball if he stays healthy. But he he's just been so injury prone early on in his career. So if if they're good, you know, if they can if they can knock off this injury bug a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised to see them winning this division again. They they have a talented roster, but. They're they're one or two key injuries away from 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 being really bad. So from winning probably like eighty games. So it's gonna be tough for Houston, but I, I do see the appeal to the Houston Astros this year. I, I definitely see that. We all are waiting for the year the A's finally break through the glass ceiling. I probably will die before the A's win a World Series again, but they have the roster. I know they lost Chapman during the season last year. He had, I think, a hip, but he should be good to go. That roster is pretty talented. They're going to keep making the same style of moves where they're going to keep trying to maximize guys who are good at one or two things really well. Then you got the Angels in there who, again, similar to the A's, we're just waiting for them eventually to put it together. I feel like the A's have just been waiting, trying to run out the clock on Pujols before they go out and splurge on a big pitcher. And then you've got the two, the Duds in Seattle and Texas Rangers. I don't know what to make of the Angels. I, don't, I think in a vacuum, I could see a world in which they're competitive for a wild card spot. But I also have said that for the last five years. I know. They, they always seem like, like the roster's good. They got good players, you know. Guys play pretty well, and then they just don't win baseball games. They're they're like similar to the to the Nationals and the Phillies, where like if things break right for them, they can be competitive. But it just seems like things never break right for the Angels for one reason or another. Something goes wrong. I mean, Mike Trout year after year MVP caliber seasons, but for whatever reason, you know everybody else is is just, is just not up to par in that team. I mean, they're still paying Justin Upton a ton of money. He yeah. doesn't perform that well. Same with Albert Pujols. So. You know, maybe in a couple years, once, you know, Pujols, I think his contract's up at the end of the year. I think Upton's got two years left. And once those guys are up, really, the only people they're paying are, are Trout and Rendon. But, you know, at that point, is is Trout still going to be, you know, what he is? I'm sure he's still going to be, you know, a damn good baseball player. But he's 30 years old right now. And in a couple of years, when, when you get those contracts off the books, is he still going to be as good as he is? I mean, he's probably going to have to move the corner, at you know, at some point soon. So, corner outfield spot at some point soon you know Kinshoi Otane stay healthy on both sides of the ball for an, for an entire season and that's still yet to be seen as well um Anthony Rendon he's just great David Fletcher is good Jose Iglesias I think Jose Iglesias I think is very underrated he's pretty good but you know it, it just it just comes down to things breaking right for this team because they always have talent they had the best player in baseball on their roster and they have they have another top 10 guy in Rendon so it's it really just comes down to can this team stay healthy and and can things break right for them and so I don't know it's it's they they have to be the toughest team to like predict year on end because they just they always they always I guess go like go under expectations they they never exceed their expectations so hopefully they play well because I want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs I want yeah. him to get that that stigma off of his back because he he's a damn good baseball player but I don't know they they just never it's things just never seem to break right for that team. I can't believe we're about to continue talking about the Angels, but there are two more things I wanted to touch here. First thing, if it were up to you, would you keep playing Otani both ways, or would you just tell him to focus on being a hitter? 
I would, I me personally, I would just have him be a hitter. Me too. Um, it, it, like the it's it's cool, and he he is a good pitcher. Like he could do either or, but you get so much more, I guess, I guess value out of him if if he's just hitting. Because even when he's pitching, you have you you can't DH him a day before or a day after a game. Yeah. So pretty much, he's only D, he DHs three times a week, and then he pitches one time a week. And so you're only getting him in four games. You can get him in five, six games a week if you just DH him the whole time and he, he's a damn good hitter. And I'm sure if instead of worrying on trying to, trying to get better at the plate and get better on the mound, he just focused on one of them. He'd probably be better exponentially it, yeah. better at the other one. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you tell him to focus on pitching because they, they need that more, but I don't know. He, he's, he's such a, he's such a dangerous hitter in the middle of that order. So I, I, I wouldn't want to take that bat out of the lineup. I would, me personally, I would rather him just focus on one side of the ball, but you know, we don't win the team, so who knows? Maybe they're smarter than us. I doubt it. But <laughs> And the other thing I wanted to touch on about the Angels is, are you like me where you feel like they should have just given Trout the MVP every year he's been in the league pretty much? Pretty because much. He he's got much like better the, than everyone else. He's got like the Brady and LeBron treatment where like mm. he's so much better than everybody that like he's held to a higher standard. So even though, even though his numbers are always phenomenal – the fact that they're always phenomenal hurts against him because it's like, well, Trout had, you know, Trout's year was just as good as his last year. And it's like, well, this guy had a great year, you know, like, you know, like Tim Anderson has a phenomenal year. And it's like, well, his numbers are still worse than Mike Trout, you know, yeah. like Jose Abreu, his numbers might still be worse than Mike Trout, but Jose Abreu just had a, an, a better year that was so much better than his average year that he looks like he was great when he was great, but Mike Trout has been great the whole time. So, you know, he gets that treatment of, of the LeBron, the, the Tom Brady, where they don't win a lot of regular season MVPs because they're always so good that great performances kind of get watered down for them, whereas they don't for everybody else. I knew I was destined to be a stats nerd because in 10th grade, I vividly remember sitting in my in class with my English teacher and arguing that Trout should have won M the MVP the year Miguel Cabrera hit for the triple crown. And he was looking at me like I had three heads and I was trying to just be explain that yeah, what Miguel Cabrera did is really impressive, but, you know, he can't play defense at all, and that's part of playing baseball. So if you're a designated hitter, that diminishes your value. Having the plus defense in center field is such an important thing. Being able to hit for power and for average, being able to steal bases. I've always been a Trout guy. I, I wish more people understood just how good he was. I remember three years ago, the Angels came, they played the Mets, in a four-game series, he had something like 420 with three home runs and 10 RBIs, and I really was blessed to see him play in person, and just, I say this all the time, especially on episodes with hockey, but you, when you see a player who is the best at what they do in person, they just move different, and that sounds weird to say, but just him coming out of the box, rounding first to extend it to a double, he just moves so much better than everyone else. It's very weird and it's hard to explain. Yeah, he he's they're just like like you said, like when when you see those guys who are different level, you can tell they're different level just by watching them. And going back just for a second on on your point about how uh, Trout should have won MVP over Cabrera in the Triple Crown year, the main argument against Trout winning MVP not winning MVP that year was that he didn't make the playoffs, where yeah. Cabrera and the Tigers made the playoffs that year. The funny thing is that the Angels had more wins than the Tigers that year. The Tigers were 88 and 74. The Angels were 89 and 73. It's just that the Angels played in the division with the, the Oakland A's and the Texas Rangers, who both won 90 plus games. And Detroit played in the division where the second best team was the Chicago White Sox at 85 and 77. So Detroit had a far easier 
division to play in and they won less games than the angels, but they just happened to make the playoffs because they're in the worst division. So it's, it Trout definitely should have won MVP there, even though triple crown is a phenomenal, you know, phenomenal feat. Trout was a better player all around. Yeah, definitely. All right. American league central. I was surprised to see how close the odds makers had the white Sox and the twins. They only had them separated by a single win in the win totals. I think the Indians will probably be in the mix, but towards second half of the season, probably pitter out. And then Kansas City and Detroit, it's obviously a white flag season for both of those teams. Just it'll be wash, rinse, and repeat for Kansas City and Detroit. Those are two young teams. They're looking to see who can stick from their own organization before they consider adding any outside talent. So circling back, let's talk Twins, White Sox, Indians. The White Sox had a big blow today. They had Jimenez. What did he have? A hip? No, it was a shoulder shoulder. injury. He he tried robbing a home run in spring training. I don't know why. I think he had a a torn shoulder labrum. It's definitely a shoulder injury. I think it was a torn labrum. He's out like five to six months. Sucks. He's a fun player to watch. Also one of my keepers in my fantasy team. It's going to stink. I'm not happy about that, but... They they have they have pieces to fill in. They can they're probably I think uh, uh, Tony Larusa said they're gonna they're gonna have their top prospect. I know Tony Larusa. It's twenty twenty one and he's managing a baseball team. But anyways, they he said that Andrew Vaughn, their top prospect, is gonna get some time in left field. He's gonna be like the White Sox Dom Smith, where he's he's a first baseman Andrew Vaughn, but they're gonna throw him in left because they already have Jose Abreu at first, so they want to get Vaughn in the lineup. Um, and now they have a, a big hole in left field. Um, I don't know if he's going to start the season in Chicago, but they'll have, if he plays as well as, you know, I think he could have a Pete Alonso-esque, you know, rookie year. Uh, maybe not as big, but I think he's going to be pretty good, Andrew Vaughn. Um, but it still sucks. I mean, Eloy Jimenez was was a key part of this team. He was a middle-of-the-order hitter. He was, you know, an 850-900 OPS guy. He, he had a lot of home runs. He was a big part of this team, and it's a big blow losing him for half the year or five, six months out of the season. It's really going to suck. Um and I mean, really, even before that, though, like going back to Tony Belusa, he just scares the hell out of me. At a meeting, I, I think, I think, guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, you saw it the other day where he said he wants Adam Eaton to hit second in the order because he wants a, a traditional second two hole hitter, guy who's going to get on base and steal bases and bunt, you know, bunt guys over. It's like, come on, man, 2021. Adam Eaton, like, Adam Eaton, his Is first it- stint with the White Sox, he was a great player. It's not that's not the same Adam Eaton anymore. Yeah. Like it's fine. It was it was kind of weird that they brought him back anyways. But like, all right, if you're just gonna, you know, if you're gonna get a corner outfielder, eight, you know, at the 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 bottom of the order, whatever, you know, it's not that big a deal. He's fine for that. You know, he had he has postseason experience if that's what you want him for. But hitting him in the two hole when you have Tim Anderson and they don't have Eloy anymore, but they have you know Luis Robert, they have Abreu, they have uh, Yasmani Grandal, you know, they have Yoan Moncada. They have a really, really good lineup, and they're gonna hit Adam Eaton second. I that it scares the hell out of me. Like talent wise, they're they're the best in the in the AL Central, yeah. no doubt. But I don't know, man. Tony Larusa, I don't know what what he is thinking. I he must think it's still I don't know, like two thousand four with the Cardinals. I I keep thinking every time someone says Tony Larusa, I keep thinking of the police report from his DUI <laughs> where he put his hand with his his Hall of Fame ring on the dash and he's like I'm a Hall of Famer man 
while the police officer was asking him questions about why he'd been uh, swerving while he was driving. And they hired him less than a week after that happened. Like yeah. the White Sox <laughs> fully knew that happened. And they were like, it's fine. We're not worried about it. The Twins are always a good regular season team. They're always respectable. They put together decent teams. They're occasionally willing to spend money on some, I won't call them high-end players, but above average players, a guy like Donaldson who – He's probably not going to be as good as he was for the Braves. What was that, two years ago now, three years ago now? But he's still an above-average baseball player. You've got individuals on that team who are solid. I could see a world in which the Twins win the Central just out of the White Sox being run by a senior citizen. Yeah, like we talked a few weeks ago or, you know, one of the last couple times I was on about how the White Sox are really the only – the only team that I think we think can can stop the Yankees in the postseason, like it's going to be the yeah. Yankees or the White Sox representing the American League in the playoffs, and and even with that, I think I still might pick Minnesota to win the division because, like I said, Larusa scares the hell out of me. If the if if he is not a dumpster fire, if Larusa isn't awful, and the White Sox play well, they play up to their talent, they could they could you know they they can make a series with the Yankees in the playoffs. They could do that, but I'm like I said, I'm just so scared of Tony La Russa as a manager of this young, exciting, like talented team that I, I just don't know. I don't know. So I honestly might pick the twins because like you said, they're a really good regular season team. They just can't get over the hump in the playoffs and they have, they have a good lineup. They added Eddie Rosario. Yeah. Um, they added Andrew Simmons, who I really like. I think that was a great pickup. Um, you know, they, they, they made some decent moves this off season. They're going to get Donaldson back. He should be healthy the whole year. So Minnesota, Minnesota, I think is going to be good. I, I, Right now, I think I'm going to pick him to win the division. I think that was even before I found out how long Eloy Jimenez is out, but just, that's just because LaRusso, Tony LaRusso scares the hell out of me. I'm, I'm so afraid Adam Eaton's going to be the two-hole hitter the entire season, and they're going to be bunting guys over. They're, they're going to be, you know, they, they're going to be stealing bases and throwing out. And, like, I, it, I don't know. I don't know what, what – and that was the, – the worst thing about it, too, is that was a, that was a Reinsdorf decision. Yeah. That came from the top. That's how you know – it was a bad the decision is going to be bad for a sports team is when the owner himself makes a decision. Yeah. Like you just, you know, what's bad. Like he didn't, Reinsdorf went completely, completely over, you know, past the GM. It was like, this is the guy I want to hire. I'm going to hire him. And they hired him out of retirement, you know, fresh off a, fresh off a DUI. I, 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 I mean, I'm afraid it's going to be a train wreck for the White Sox. I like the White Sox as a team. I think they're a really good team, really fun team, but I'm just afraid it's going to be a train wreck with that manager. Yeah, I mean, that was the Ken Rosenthal headline, and Ken Rosenthal never writes anything incendiary or, like, defamatory about anyone in baseball. He's always writing yeah. positive things that are an ML, a pro MLB view of things, and even he was like, what are the White Sox doing? That's how you know you messed up is when the Ken Rosenthals of the world who are the most not aligned out of place when they're writing their stories, not wanting to upset anyone to lose access. If they're calling you out for a decision you made, you, you messed up. Real quick, yeah, it, I do wonder about the Indians. I feel like this probably has to be the last year where they're semi-competitive. I feel like they probably completely blow it up after this year. I feel like Tito Francona probably hangs it up relatively soon. It's a sad story because they came really close a number of times this decade. They had a really good team multiple times. Yeah, I it, it I think the main thing with them competing, you know, in the future, it really depends on whether or not they can lock down Jose Ramirez. They said they want to keep him long term. Um, you know, obviously he has to want to stay long term as well. If they can lock down Jose Ramirez long term, 
the team's good. You know, they got they got Rosario and Jimenez. You know, they obviously they they made out worse in the Lindor deal than the Mets did, but they got Jimenez and Rosario. I think Rosario in a new setting, I think he's going to really flourish. I think Jimenez is a fantastic young player. He'll be really good. Um, they they added a couple outfielders. They have Josh Naylor. They have Eddie Rosario. Um, the pitching staff is always good. Somehow they're always they're always just plucking guys out. Shane Bieber was was Cy Young last year. Um, Zach Plesac, Tristan McKenzie, you know, Aaron Saval, they, they're all, they're young, they're good. They're going to be good for probably a while. I mean, the, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Everybody in their, in their rotation, they have four guys born in 95, two guys born in 97. They're incredibly young, incredibly young. So um, they, they, they have that going from there. They have the rotation, they have the bullpen, they have a decent lineup, you know, not as good as it has been in years past, but certainly good enough to compete. Um, and like I said, it really, if, if they can't, if they can't lock down Jose Ramirez, then I think they're probably gonna have to blow it up because he's, he's the big piece in that, on that team. But if they can, if they can keep him in town for, for, you know, the long term, then they could probably, I guess, just kind of slowly, not, not, not like rebuild, but kind of just keep it going and just keep the window open, you know, a little bit longer. Yeah. He's a good manager. He's had his warts. He's had a few things come out about him that aren't great. Francona's yeah, a good Mickey match. Callaway situation. The Mickey Callaway That's, stuff. Yeah, it's the, it's the been beer a mess fr- for all teams yeah. involved. The beer and the fried chicken in the clubhouse that year <laughs> after the Red Sox won the World Series. I, I, I get it. I, I understand. Then, yeah, the Mickey Callaway stuff. He hasn't had the best portrayal. I mean, even his son has kind of been in public being like, yeah, my dad's kind of an asshole, which isn't ever a good look. You never want that. Yeah. He was saying yeah. not even on speaking terms, which is yeah. kind of surprising. Yeah. And then, yeah, Kansas City, Detroit, like I said, they're, they're in the long game here. I, I'm curious to see what the, what Detroit does. I mean, they brought in um, – why can't I think of his name? Why don't I being a schmuck? Why can't I think of the manager? Why can't I Who? think of – Oh, Detroit. Oh, they yeah. brought in um the guy, uh, uh, A.J. Hinch. Yeah, A.J. From, Hinch. Uh, yeah. From, yeah, from Houston. He lost yeah. his job, obviously, with the, the science-dealing scandal. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see how that tracks out long term. If, because it's not like college football where he could just be using that as a launching pad job to get his career back, where no team is just going to let him out of a contract to go somewhere else. So I'm curious to see how that tracks over the long term. And then Kansas City, they're going to keep doing what the Royals do. They're going to keep bringing up guys. They're going to keep signing low impact guys, hoping they can capture some of the magic back. They got their World Series. They're content to ride it out for now. Last division, we're going to touch here. We're going to go American League East. We'll go through this relatively quickly. It's obviously the Yankees to lose. Toronto is very much up in the air right now. I've been listening to a lot of TSN radio lately because the NHL trade deadline is coming up, and they are talking quite a bit about the Blue Jays too because the season's starting relatively soon, and all of them are pretty aghast that they came into the season with this as their starting rotation. Um, Their general manager was on the – the Blue Jays GM was on one of the shows last Thursday or Friday, and they basically asked him, how do you feel about the rotation after Ryu? I know you can't feel the utmost confidence. And his main takeaway was what he spun it as was we have a bunch of options. We have five or six guys who could – if two of them hit, we're fine. There's a number of guys we're going to give opportunities to, and one of them has to not suck was basically how it came across. I mean, yeah, if you're, I'm looking at their depth chart right now, too. It pretty much has this, the same story. They have 
they have 10 guys listed in their starting rotation. And, you know, they spent big money on Ryu. He's been good. Nate Pearson's a top prospect. You think he's going to be good, but you, there's still that, there's still that what if. And then everybody else, I mean, Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, Tanner Rourke, Rush Stripling, Anthony Kay, Trenton Thornton. These are all guys who are just like, maybe they'll be okay. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe you'll get a few good starts. Maybe they, you, you string together a few good starts and, you know, they get some confidence who knows, but it's a, it's a lot of what ifs. That's a yeah. lot of what ifs in that rotation. Yeah. Um, and then they also, the other day, I, if I remember correctly, I think Kirby Yates is going to, yes. he's going to miss the year with a, he towards UCL. He has to get Tommy John. That was their, their big addition of the bullpen. Um, that's a big blow too. Cause he, he's a really, he was one of the best relievers in baseball a couple of years ago at San Diego. So you lose him as well. And now the bullpen is a little shaky as well. There's really no clear cut closer in that bullpen either. So, it's yeah. it's you know they, they, it's going to be shaky for them. The line the lineup's fantastic. I think Vladdy, he finally decided you know he made it to the major leagues. Now it's time to start going to the gym. He lost yeah. a bunch of weight. You know I mean it's crazy. The the guy made it to major league. He was the, like the best hitter in the minor leagues. You know all throughout his minor league career, never once went to the gym. He was like, yeah, I'm just you know my body's good enough. And then finally when he got to the majors, like maybe I had to work out a little bit. He works out and now he's like lean. He's cut. He's probably probably quicker you know, more agile. I think he's going to have a great year. They signed Marcus Semyon, who was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago. Um, they got Springer, huge, huge signing. Uh, we both wish the Mets got Springer, but yeah. they get him. Randall Gritchup, T. Oscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel, Bo Bichette, Kevon Biggio. They have a really, really good team, a really good lineup. It's just, you know, the pitching, the pitching. staff is such, such a what if. Yeah, while you were talking about Yates, you jogged my memory. Yesterday, they were talking about Yates on the radio. I think it was Overdrive, and they were talking about that. And one of the guys on there said that he had heard from someone that Yates had a a meeting with the Braves. They were going to do a contract, but they wanted to do tests on his elbow. They were going to offer him $10 And if he passed the physical, they were going to sign him. He didn't pass the physical. The Blue Jays brought him in. They said... We're not going to give you $10 million a year. They said, we'll do $5 million with incentives, knowing he had the elbow problem, knowing that yeah. there was an underlying elbow issue. So really curious about that decision-making process, why you would roll the dice on – I understand bargain bin shopping. You have to do it in baseball. But when you're a team that's already kind of light on pitching, you might have been better off trying to invest a little bit heavier or instead of spending like $6 million with incentives, do two guys for like $15 million total because you got to give yourself options, especially in that division. I don't, again, Tampa Bay is always going to do their thing where they give the Yankees a hard time in the regular season. They'll take care of business against bad teams. They have hard times against good teams. The Red Sox rebuilding year, and then the Orioles are off in the abyss like the Royals, like the Tigers. What do you want to touch on between the Sox and the Rays? Um, I'm really, I'm really interest, interested to see how the Rays pitch this year because obviously they always they always churn guys out they get pitchers that you know maybe broken or just misuse other places and they turn them in you know they, they turn them into superstars obviously they did that with glass now he was misused he was always you know had a lot of a lot of promise but misused in Pittsburgh um Chris Archer who they got Glasnow for he was awful in Pittsburgh, and now they they bring him back. They got Rich Hill, who's very old. Um, he's forty one now, but he still he still has you know. I was kind of I wouldn't mind that the Mets signed him as a back back end guy. He still got some juice up to them. Michael Waka, I mean, 
he used to be really good with, with – we saw up close in person last year with the Mets. He's not very good. He sort of flashes, but not very good. But, you know, with, with the Tampa Bay Rays, you can never really know. You know, they always they always train these guys out. Um, and then the guy they got for Blake Snell, obviously they, they lost Blake Snell, arguably their ace in the offseason, but they got Luis Patino out of him. And I, it doesn't seem like he's going to be on the roster to start the year, but when he comes up, I mean, that, that, that kid's got some nasty stuff. And, you know, we could see him quickly become a top, top, you know, top of the rotation arm for the Tampa Bay Rays if the history, you know, repeats itself with them, which it usually always does. Like I said, they always churn guys out who are, who are, have a lot of talent and they, 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 you know, get the best out of them. So I'm excited to see the pitching staff. Um, the bullpen is going to be probably phenomenal again. The, the starting rotation is on surface level doesn't look that that good but it's the race so i'm sure they're going to be good um and yeah you know the 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 roster the the lineup's pretty decent is you know a little left to be desired but they they were in the world series last year they were there for a reason they had they have good players so uh, it's going to be i think it's going to be they'll they'll be pretty good probably not win the division like you said finish the yankees to lose but i'm very interested to see the Rays this year i think i think they could be really fun to watch the Red Sox kind of intrigued me. I really like Vasquez. I like Verdugo. I was a little bit surprised they traded Ben Attendee, but John Henry wanted to sign a center back for Liverpool, so they had to do it. Mm-hmm. We don't know what sale is going to be, if he's even going to pitch. I know he's on the DL right now. I think with an elbow thing, he's had that elbow problem on and off for years now. They interest me just because they are the Red Sox. I know the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry has kind of died because the Red Sox have been uncompetitive for a year and a half, two years now. I'm building up to that game they played in London and that little band box where every single game had like 30 runs scored. I always want the Red Sox to at least be compelling because it's important to baseball that the Red Sox, that the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Blue Blood teams are relevant, that they're competitive. I just don't see what the Red Sox plan is here. They've got a bunch of guys really is how I'll describe them. They don't know what you're going to get out of Marti- J.D. Martinez. He's coming off an injury, like I said, with Sale. And then Verdugo and Vasquez, they, they got from the Mookie Betts trade. I just don't know. Yeah, the, the Red Sox are interesting. Um, I do. I did like the move when they brought in Adovino from the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees are just trying to dump his salary. I think Adovino is still a really good relief pitcher. I mean, he had he had a really bad – ERA last year, but he was a product of of the shortened season. At least the ERA was because he he was having a good year. He was good for the majority of last season, and then they they had that game, um, they had that game in in Buffalo where they're playing the Blue Jays, and he gave up like I think like six runs and got one out. Yeah, in his one appearance, and it just ballooned his ERA up like crazy, and that was really it. I mean, he he had one he had one really bad performance, and. You know, like we've seen a lot of other a lot of other players. You know, over the course of a full 162 game season, those really bad performances. You know, if you're a good enough player, you can weed them out. You can correct your stats. You know, you you can you can kind of get it to more of a of a of a normal level at least with with your ERA. With a 60 game season, you obviously can't do that. You know, he probably only I think he only I mean how many times did he even pitch last year? It probably wasn't all that much. So, you know, it, it's I don't think he was that. He had, he had 20. He pitched in 24 games last year. So. You know, he threw 18 innings. One, he had one or two really, you know, bad innings. And other than that, he was still, you know, regular Adam Adovino. So I think he's going to be fine. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if he returns to form with Boston and then maybe they can, because I, I don't think they're going to be competitive. Maybe they flip him at the deadline for something pretty, you know, I 
relievers, you know, relievers on the contract who don't really go for much anymore. But they should be able to get something, you know, more than what they gave up to get them because they pretty much got them for, for, for scrap. So, I like that move. But yeah, other than that, I mean, they're 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 young. They brought in Enrique Hernandez. They brought in yeah. They brought in Marvin Gonzalez. A lot of a lot of versatile players. They also brought in Hunter Renfro from the Rays last year. So, they made some moves. I didn't really get trading Ben Attendee. Yeah. Because if you traded Ben Attendee a couple of years ago, you could have gotten a, you know, a, oh. a, a boatload. You could have gotten a boatload for, for Ben Attendee a couple of years ago. So I didn't really get trading him at his lowest value. But, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe maybe Dave Dombrowski knows something we don't. But it, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So, um, and then Rodriguez, like you mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez. I really do like Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he's really good. But it's, you know, I, I'm worried about how he's going to be coming back. Because yeah. he missed last year because of COVID. He got COVID. He had a heart issue stemming from that, and he missed the entirety of last season. You know, I mean, when he pitches, he's good, but you know, is he going to be able to come back and and you know and and play? You know, how he was the last few years. Is he, is he going to be as good as he was the last couple of regular seasons coming off of that that you know that that major injury? It's it's definitely something you got to worry about. So I don't know. They have a decent roster. They're probably not going to do much, though. I wouldn't be surprised to see them fourth fourth in the AL East. It's probably where they're going to end up. If I recall your predictions correctly, you had Braves, Brewers, Dodgers, Yankees, Twins, and then Astros. Yes? Yes. Okay. I am in the same boat for all of those, except I'm going to go with the A's in the AL West. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say the Mets are going to win the NL East. Ooh, I like it. I, I want it to be a little bit different, and awards-wise, DeGrom's Cy Young to lose, I, I say this every year at this point, but you could have made an argument for him to win the Cy Young last year with only three wins, four wins, whatever he had in the abbreviated season. He's obviously the best pitcher in baseball. I don't know how MLB Network had Cole one spot ahead of him in their 100 players list that came out yesterday. I know those lists are made to get engagement. I know particularly MLB and NHL do those lists and they make them, I don't want to say intentionally bad, but it kind of comes across like that's the strategy for content for engagement. Oh, they definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. If you make a list that's, I mean, you're never going to make a list that everybody agrees with, but you know, if you bump a guy up a couple spots, knowing you probably shouldn't be there, it's going to get people to click on. It's going to get people to tweet about it, get in their action. That's what they do. I mean, that's, you know, that's the game. That's Skip Bayless. That's his whole shtick is he just yeah. says outright outlandish things. Cause it means people are going to tune in to watch him and Shannon Chubb yell at each other. American league Cy Young. I've gone. I don't know for American league Cy Young. I mean, my first thought was to go someone a little bit off the board, but I don't even know who's off the board in the American League. You were on the nose. You had Shane Bieber last year for American League Cy Young. No, I actually school. had I actually had Clevenger. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I was right with the Indians because I was like, that division stinks. The NL the NL Central stinks. They're gonna play being a bunch of bad teams. I was right on that. It's just Clever or Bieber was the guy who who I think Boney got it right. I think Boney Yeah Boney had Shane I picked Bieber. Cle- I picked Clevenger. That obviously blew up in my face. He got trade. He went out to a COVID party, and then he got he got traded. You know, the team, all the, the team, all the players hated him for breaking protocols, and they traded him to San Diego, and they tore his UCL. It was a whole mess. I was on the right track, but I did not pick Bieber. But I was close though. We're getting there. <laughs> we are so we are let, hopefully about a year away from an entirely normal baseball season. I know we even this summer. 
I will probably go to a couple of mech games. It won't be the same without City Field being rowdy, rowdy, but it'll be nice to be at baseball games. They're just such a nice part of the summer, especially on one of those four o'clock starts on a Saturday. The sun starts to go down about the sixth, seventh inning. It's a beautiful day outside. You have a nice cold beer. You get one of those beautiful, enormous sausage and peppers, and you just bask in the glory of how good baseball is. We missed that last year. I know I missed going to City Field a lot. That's one of the like markers of a, a good summer is how many times did I get to see the Mets in person? Yeah, no, I'm 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 very excited. I got my my first vaccine shot yesterday, so I'm. I think I get second one April twenty first, April twenty or I think you got to wait fourteen days after the second shot. But as soon yeah. as I can go to a Met game, I'm going to a Met game. I, that's why I got the shot. I was like, I want to go. I want to go see a Met game. I want to go to City Field as much as I can this summer. That's why I'm getting it, and that's um that's what I'm going to be doing once I'm once I'm cleared to go, once I'm good to go. All right, um, MVPs. I want to say something controversial and say something like Bregman just to kind of, I because I can see a world in which Bregman bounces back because pretty much everyone on the Astros had a bad year last year statistically. Yeah. I was thinking Bregman. I was thinking. It's probably Judge if the Yankees are good, right? If everything goes to if, plan, it's probably If Aaron Judge, Judge can stay healthy, if Aaron Judge plays 140, 150 games, it's probably him. Yeah. It's probably him. But that's just – that's the big if is that if he plays that many games. If he only gets 100 in, you know, that would be – that's still a lot of games for him usually, and that's not going to be – you're not going to win MVP playing 100 games. He's got to yeah. get at least 130, 140 games in for him to for him to, to to be there but if he could do that if he could stay healthy the whole year i mean he's got a legit a le, you know legit claim to winning that I and mean, you can even say the same thing about stan i mean stan yeah. when he's healthy he hits the hell out of the ball <laughs> when john carlos is healthy he crushes it's just he's not healthy like a nearly enough to be that i mean the one season he was healthy for the entire year even dating his entire career was when he hit 50 home runs and won mvp yeah. with miami that was the only year he's really been like healthy for a large chunk of the season for the majority of the season. And we saw what he did. And when he, when he's healthy, he's incredible. It's just, he can't do that enough. So, but yeah, if those guys are healthy, it's probably them. I don't really trust them to stay healthy. So it's probably, you, you gotta go try I mean, he's the heavy favorite yeah. on betting sites on FanDuel. You know, you gotta go that. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mind an outside of the box pick though. Like Bregman, I think Bregman's really good. Um, I, I do like that. Maybe even a white sock. I would have probably liked Eloy probably wasn't there even, you know, obviously he's not going to do it now because of the injury. He wasn't probably wasn't there yet anyways, but the white Sox again, if things go right for them, the, the, the lineup's going to be great. So we wouldn't be surprised to see one of those guys win, but it's probably trout. I'm probably gonna have to go trout for right now. National league. I'm not going to be creative. I'm going to say Mookie Betts because he's the best player in the national league. Yeah, I'm gonna be creative. I'm going Christian Yelich. It's not too creative. I was gonna say he won MVP good. two years ago. I know, I know. It's not, it's not like, like you know, it's not like I'm saying, oh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Jeff McNeil is gonna win MVP. You know, it's not that crazy. But you know, I think, I think, I think he's. I think there's like five or six guys ahead of Yelich on betting sites. Mm-hmm. Nationally, he's really close. I think if if you look at the odds, I think for American League, Trout is like plus two hundred. Next closest guy is like plus a thousand. NL, it's like. Yellow, or it's, it's like Soto, Acuna, um, Tatis, 
um, bets, they're all like seven, eight hundred plus seven, eight hundred. I think Yelich is like nine hundred or a thousand. Like they're all really close. They're all really good. Yelich might be fifteen hundred. I don't know for sure, but they're all really good. I was really tempted to go Juan Soto because I love Juan Soto. He is he is like in my mind, I think the most intimidating hitter when he's at the plate. He is so so he he just seems like the toughest out in baseball, Juan Soto. Um, but I think Yelich is going to have a huge bounce back. I think Milwaukee. I'm I'm all in on Milwaukee this year, so I'm going to go Yelich as my ML MVP. All right, I'm assuming you have answers for Rookie of the Year in American and National League. I haven't dove it into who's making teams and who's actually going to make opening day rosters. Do you have a lean for both? I I actually didn't write it down because it's so damn tough picking Rookie of the Year, but. If you want, if you want a couple of predictions, I can rattle some off. Uh, American League, I liked. I mentioned before, I like Andrew Vaughn a lot for for Chicago. I think he he could have a Pete Alonso esque rookie year if he starts day one. If he if he plays a little, you know, well enough in left field after the Eloy injury to make the opening day roster, I could see him hitting thirty plus home runs. Probably like I said, probably won't do, do what Pete Alonso did, hit fifty three, but I could see him hitting 30, 40 home runs. He's got a lot of pop. He's really good. Um, and then Kalanick, you know, Kalanick, if he was, if the Mariners weren't cheap and they weren't going to manipulate the service time, I think Kalanick's the easy answer for the American League, but you just don't know when, when he's going to get called up. Um, Chicago doesn't necessarily play that game as often, the whole service time game. So probably more likely Andrew Vaughn comes up. So I'm going to go Andrew Vaughn, American, American League Rookie of the Year. Uh, National League. Brian Hayes for Pittsburgh is the only good thing about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm-hmm. He was really good in the, the little stint he had last year in the majors. Um, I really like him. He's a good defender. He's great at the plate. Um, but I think I think if just because how bad the rest of the Pirates team is, I think if I'm going to pick a NL Rookie of the Year, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a pitcher in the National League East, and it's probably either Ian Anderson or Sixto Sanchez. Mm. Um, I'm probably. I don't know. It's tough because I think Anderson's going to – he was really good last year. I think he's, he's going to regress a little bit. Sanchez, I think, is going to be really good, but he doesn't have big strikeout numbers, Sixto Sanchez. Um, but I th- I'm going to go Sixto Sanchez. I think he's I think he's really good. He's fun to watch. He doesn't have huge strikeout numbers, so that's going to definitely go against him in the awards race. But uh, I, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's got a, I think he's got a lot of – a lot of heart. I think he's a really good, uh, really good pitcher. So I think he carries himself well on the mound. So I like, I like Sixto Sanchez for NL Rookie of the Year. Last but not least, give me your World Series, sir. Oof, this is tough. Um, this is tough because you know, last year we all had a variation of Dodgers, Yankees, or Braves, Yankees. I don't think yeah. anyone had anyone else for to win the American League. This isn't. I it I feel like the Yankees have to be in your prediction, and if you're wrong, they so be it. it. I feel like that's one of those things where okay, I picked the best team and they didn't get there. That's fine. I can live with that. That was like me last year with the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. They were the best team. They just didn't win it. Yeah, I think I think Yankees for sure in the American League, and then I think in the National League. I think we talked about at the beginning of the show. Teams they need to have the heartbreaking loss in the postseason to learn how to win in the postseason. That's what Atlanta had last year. Atlanta was a game away, a one win away from making the World Series in game five. They were up 3-1 in that series against the Dodgers. They blew that lead. Dodgers go on to win the World Series. I think the Dodgers are still the best team in baseball, but maybe a little bit of a, of a championship hangover. I think Atlanta's hungry. They they only got better. They added Charlie Morton. They're gonna get they're gonna get Soroka back. They're gonna get a lot of their 
Um, their rotation is going to be solid. The lineup's just as good as it was last year. Um, they're getting Christian Pache, who's going to be up at some point this year. I think is phenomenal. Um, and like you said, they faced, they had the heartbreaking defeat last year. They know what it takes to win. I think I'm going to go Yankees Braves World Series, and it's going to suck for us. <laughs> Yankees Braves World Series as a Mets fan, it's going to suck. It's only it's probably going to be as bad as that, the Yankees Phillies World Series in what, 2009, 2010. Those sucked also, but um. And then I think I think I think it's Atlanta's. I think I'm gonna go the Braves to win the World Series over the Yankees. Braves and six over the Yankees. I hate to be uncreative and just hail Chris, but I I've I've been high on the Braves for three years now. I've been waiting for the breakthrough year, and I feel like this has to be the breakthrough year. The the storm is there, like you said. The Dodgers won already. It's not that they're content with winning already, but once you win something a little bit inherently inside, you're going to let yourself not be as hungry. It happens. That's not an indictment yeah. of the Dodgers. That's just part of sports. Chris, tell the people a little bit about your show and what you might be talking about on next week's show. Um, well, my show, The Sports Report, uh, on Hudson River Radio, Sports with Christopher Schweitzer on HudsonRiverRadio.com. It's also on a podcast. Um, same name, Sports Report, Christopher Schweitzer. Probably next week, going to be talking about – I didn't do my show this week because we had a little bit of technical difficulties in the studio. But next week, um, as my show is on Wednesday, the day before opening day, probably going to talk a lot about baseball, kind of do something similar to what we did today, a lot of predictions, go through most of the divisions, um, give my standings for all of them, get predictions for, for you know, uh, Cy Young, MVP, all that. And then also I got some football news to catch up on as well. Yeah. So the Giants have made a lot of moves, signed Kenny Galladay, signed Adore Jackson. They've made a lot of moves. Um, so – a lot of baseball talk next week and then a little bit of football as well because I got to catch up on some football news. So yeah, that's next Wednesday, 7 PM. And if you can't catch it then, then always as a podcast as well. So yeah, sports support Christopher Schweitzer at HRR sports report on Twitter and Instagram. So yeah. Thank you so much for coming, Chris. It's going to be really, really nice to just have baseball on in the background all the time while I'm doing things now. That's one of my favorite parts of summer. That's one of the things that makes baseball great as a TV sport is I can look down at my phone. I don't miss anything. I can wait till the pitch is about to be thrown. Look back up. Wait. Okay. Back to my phone. One of the great things about baseball, we're almost there. Today in the New York area was a very, very baseball weather day. It was absolutely gorgeous outside. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Chris. I hope you guys checked out some of the episodes earlier in the week. My friend Mallory stopped by yesterday. We talked about the newest season of Netflix's Drive to Survive. Next week, we've got good stuff. Going to talk Minnesota Wild. That'll be Tuesday. And then Thursday, my friend PJ Clark of Boomer Bust the Draft Show will be coming back for his third appearance. We are in tape crunching season for people in the draft community. There's a lot, a lot to talk about. Penn State has a bunch of mutants. I don't know how a guy who weighs 240 pounds runs a 4.3940. There's a lot to dissect. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your weekend, guys.